We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be some differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing to eat? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord that I also passed on to you. I passed on to you. I've already given you this. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given things, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 27, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many... That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Somebody shout amen. I don't even know if I need to speak today, do I? <laughs> Sounds like y'all got it already. <laughs> Our topic for discussion, if you could throw that first graphic up, is <clears throat> the Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist, the Lord's table. The reason why I delivered my sermon title to you in that fashion is because all of these words are interchangeable. Um, so throughout our, our talk today and as we further discuss, you'll hear me utilize these different phrases and these different words to, to, to express communion. Um, and I don't want to lose you at any point in the sermon today, so I gave you every version of what I'm going to say before I say it. The Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist, which means giving thanks the Lord's table. <clears throat> now, of all of the, the, the churches Paul planted, um, by far the church in Corinth was considered his problem child. Um, 
they had all manner of issues that Paul had to continually address, uh, all the way from, from sexual immorality, uh, incest within the church, um, doctrinal issues. Uh, in the text that we just read, um, he is rebuking them for their mishandling of the Lord's Supper. In the early church, um, they mainly had church in their house. Um, and it was mainly at a rich person's house because they would have had enough money to have enough rooms so that everyone could come and attend. Um, and what would happen is that they would show up at the rich person's house and they would have a meal. And then after the meal, they would have communion and then they would have church. Um, and that is what they kind of laid out as Paul kind of exited the place. But what had happened was <laughs> all the rich people were getting there early and having the meal before all of the poor people showed up. Uh, and when the poor people showed up, the rich people were drunk and there was no food left. So it was, it was causing all of this resentment and all of this divide and, and, and all of this bitterness amongst the church. And once Paul heard about it, Paul flips out. Because what was supposed to be an intimate time of worship, a holy moment, turned into a circus. People were abusing the elements of communion and others were being left out because of their social status. So Paul says, listen, we're going to stop this. Okay, um, because it is obvious to me that your posture is wrong, how you're entering into the Lord's Supper. It is obvious to me that you don't understand um, the, 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 the implication of this very holy moment. So before you bring destruction on yourself, let me break it down for you just to ensure that you get the benefit out of this. Because right now you're actually doing harm to yourself by entering into the presence of the Lord the wrong way. So before you kill yourself, let me tell you how to fix it. Let's look at what he says in verse 23. <clears throat> For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given things, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Point number one is the word remembrance. Somebody shout remembrance. As big of a day um, that Christmas is <clears throat> for us, you will find nowhere in scripture where Jesus says, remember my birthday. You will find nowhere in scripture where Jesus says, give gifts in reverence of me or in remembrance of me. Um, put up a tree in remembrance of me. I'm not saying that Christmas is not important. If you want to buy me some gifts today, you can go get them. But I want to make sure that you understand that Jesus nowhere in scripture ever said to remember my birthday. Now, now if Jesus says that you need to remember my death day, how much more important is it for us to make sure that we're reverencing the day that he gave his life for us? How much more important is it to make sure that we commemorate or that we celebrate the day that he gave us victory over death, sin, and the grave? Jesus with his own mouth says, I know that you care about my birthday, but the day that you need to remember is the day that I die for you. The old church used to sing this song. It says, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away. 
Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming back, oh, glorious day. I appreciate the birthday, but I got to remember the death day because when he went in that grave and he raised from the dead, he saved my soul. And for me, that's the most important day of the year. Jesus with his own mouth says, you better remember this day. I know that we've commercialized Christmas and it's all, it's all about the season. It's all about the vibe. But what I'm telling you today, there should be a spirit of joy when we talk about communion. There should be a vibe when we talk about communion. We should get excited when we talk about communion. Because Jesus with his own mouth says, remember this day. Remember the day that I took you from the bondage of sin. Remember the day that I changed everything. Remember the day that I made it available to you to be in my presence. Remember the day. Somebody shout remembrance. And as a partaker of his grace and his mercy, I shouldn't show up in this place when we start to talk about communion and be thinking about anything else. Because it is this moment that we get to recall everything that he did for us. We get to recall that he went upon the cross. We get to recall that he was raised from the dead. We get to recall everything that he did for us. Somebody shout remember. Let's get this next one. In the same way, verse 25, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Our next point for today, second point is the word proclaim. My shout proclaim. <clears throat> On most Sundays, um, I'm the person up here in the microphone preaching. Most Sundays. Uh, we've got some other preachers in the building that can preach and teach. I say I'm a teacher. I'm not a really preacher. I teach, right? I won't even say that I'm a talker. <laughs> I teach talk kind of thing. Um, but, but, but the word preach simply means to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Somebody shall proclaim. And sometimes while I'm up here proclaiming the good news of the gospel, preaching, I'm up here proclaiming the good news of the gospel, I will use a sermon illustration. I use people, I use pictures, I use props to help drive my point home, you know, to make sure that you get exactly what I just said, to make sure that you get the word. Jesus says that when you take communion, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He says that you proclaim, you are preaching, you are preaching the Lord's death until he comes. In other words, he says that you are preaching a sermon on the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection, and the communion is your sermon illustration. Somebody shout proclaim. Look at your neighbor and tell them to preach. Look at your other neighbor and tell them to preach that thing. <laughs> Listen to me. Jesus says 
You are proclaiming, you are preaching the good news of the gospel, and the communion is your sermon illustration. Now, the question beckons, Pastor Wanzel, who am I preaching to? Yes, you are preaching to the word, and you are letting them know who Jesus is. And you're also preaching to yourself to say, yes, I am part of that blood situation. But more important than anything else, you are preaching the sermon to the devil and his demons. Because you are letting him know that the blood that defeated you over 2,000 years ago still resides in my life. And devil, if you mess with me, you're going to have a problem and a half. Somebody shall make him remember. Every time you do communion, you let him know that you were defeated. You were under my feet. Somebody shall proclaim that good news. When you partake in communion, you are letting the devil know you are under my feet. You might be messing with my stuff, but I'm just letting you know. Don't you forget. I remember when I was a little boy, um, my brother was, was 11 years older than me. So if I was seven, he was 18. Um, and I haven't always been this big guy that you see and this very aggressive guy that you see. I was a teddy bear when I was a boy. And um, I remember if I had a, I had a problem, with, uh, a problem that I didn't think I could fix, and somebody was messing with me, I'd go get my big brother. And I would just, I would just let him show up. I wouldn't, and no, he wasn't going to do nothing to no seven-year-old kid, but I would say, I'm going to go get my brother. And he would come down to Danforth Elementary School, and he would stand at the fence, and I would point at him, see? You see? Say something else. <laughs> say something else, Howard. When you partake in communion today, say something else. Move one more time. Say something to my children again. Touch my money one more time. Say something. You better take your hands off my peace. I'm telling you, you know that you can't win. Somebody shall proclaim. Let's get this third point. Let's go to verse 27. So then, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Our third point for today is the word intimacy. <clears throat> Somebody shout intimacy. <laughs> Communion is, is one of the most, if not the most, intimate moments that you can have with Jesus. I want that to rest on you for a second because I don't know if we process it that way. It is one of the most intimate moments that you can have with Jesus. When we talked last week, um, we talked about us being in a covenant relationship with God. And communion is the act that takes that covenant relationship from a distant relationship or a superficial relationship to an intimate relationship. We are getting ready to engage in the most personal parts of Jesus, his body and blood. When you make your body available for a person, 
you are saying to that person that I want to go deeper with you. I want to go further with you. I want to take this relationship to a new level. I want to be intimate with you. And if I accept what you're, what, what, you're, what you're offering to me, then I too, and in response to what you're offering me, if I accept it, I am saying I too want to go deeper with you. I want to take this to the next level. I want us to understand today that when, 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 we, when we engage in communion, we are engaging with the body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. It doesn't get more intimate than that. Communion is, is or, or the Lord's Supper, is one of the holiest expressions of Christian worship. Listen to that. Communion is one of the holiest expressions of Christian worship. You are engaging with something that is of the most holy of holies. Do you remember that there was a veil that, that would allow you into the, to the holy of holies? Well, the veil has been torn, and the body and blood of Jesus is the holy of holies. And when you engage and when you engage in communion, you are engaging, engaging with the most secret parts, the most personal parts, the most important parts of Jesus. He wants to be intimate with you. I said, Jesus, you want to go deeper with me. Who I am and who I've been. You want to go deeper with me. It blew my mind that he saw me in that fashion. It blew my mind that he says, regardless of who you are, I know who I am. And I want to go deeper with you. Somebody shout deeper. This is the most holiest expression of Christian worship. It is more holy than the sermon that I'm preaching here today. It is more holy than the worship that you give. It is the holiest expression, the most holiest thing that you can do. For Christian worship. Let's get this next one. Last point. The reason why I tell you all of that is because I don't want you to take it lightly. Here's why. Let's go to verse 27. <clears throat> so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves. Before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why, verse 30, that is why many of you are weak and sick. A number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning, somebody shout discerning. With regards to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. In verse 27, and I want to make sure we clear this up, and this is my last point for today. In verse 27, Paul is not referring to a, a, a personal worthiness or sinlessness. He's not saying that you got to be sinless. All of us are sinful. All of us are unworthy. All of us fall short of the glory of God. So he's not saying that you got to be perfect, that you got to be sinless. He's not saying that, that, that you got to make yourself worthy in some sort of fashion. But what he is saying is that don't approach the Lord's Supper in an illegitimate or dishonoring manner. I'm going to say that again. Don't approach the Lord's table in a dishonoring or illegitimate manner. Let's look at verse 28. 
So here's what Paul says we need to do. It's right there in verse 28. He says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Our fourth and final point for today is the word examination. Say that with me, examination. Paul says to the Corinthian church that you need to have a real honest moment with yourself before you touch these elements. You need to have a moment with yourself to see if you are who you say you are. And only you can answer that question. I, I, I need for you to take this moment extremely serious because he's, he says, listen to me, I, I don't want you to approach the table in the wrong disposition. I want to make sure that you show up here in, 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 the right, in the right posture so that it's received correctly so that you don't drink judgment upon yourself. Here's what I say to this church. If you know that you are openly and intentionally living in a way that does not please God and you refuse to change, I would beckon you not to touch this table. If you're living in, I'm, I want to make sure I'm clear. I'm not saying that you're struggling with something. All of us struggle with something. But if, but, but, but listen to me, if, if you are living in a way, if, if, if you are living a lifestyle that you know displeases God and you refuse to stop knowing that it does not please him, I will say let this cup pass. Because if you drink of this cup in a dishonoring manner or illegitimate manner, you bring God's judgment on you. And Paul says... Some of you are sick, some of you are weak, and others have died because they approach this table in a dishonoring manner. Because when you do that, you are no better than the persons that hung Jesus on the cross. You are no no better than the ones that spat on him. You're no better than the ones that beat him. You have to honor this moment because we are dealing with the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.